Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where today we're going a little off-road. We're going on a topic that might ruffle some feathers. Normally, don't do that. That you know, we don't do this that often, um, but we're going to because quite, uh, quite matter of factly, there is a huge topic that must be discussed. Uh, many of us have ties to this franchise. Well, it's, it's more than a franchise. This um, giant monolith of a business, which is called Disney. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, social media, uh, anywhere, uh, people are talking about this. Where uh, Bob Jackets who was the CEO for the last couple of years has been ousted and they have brought Disney has brought Bob Iger back and, you know, Iger kind of revitalized Disney a while back. And we've seen some really crazy things happening with Disney um, over the last couple of years since COVID. And uh, well, quite frankly, I think people are fed up and some people decided to make a change. And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that this evening. Absolutely. And uh, I, I am here. I am Krebs. That's my good friend, Daniel. And usually uh, we have a third. Usually we have a third person and that third person is my brother, Matai, but... No, stop. Let, let me get out. Come. Uh, no, wait. Hey. Oh. Whoa. Hey. hey, it's the Dungeon Crawlers. Wait, what? Is... Alton? Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Good to see you. Hey, Alton. I haven't seen you for a while. Well, at least since Fan X. I have emerged from the trunk that your brother has been keeping me in at least for a little bit we'll see how long it lasts but uh you know i was getting sick of uh nesquik and jello so i figured it was time to step back into the real world and holy cow what a day so what an excellent episode for you to magically reappear this is the happiest podcast on earth well for legal reasons uh, that is subjective, but, uh, nevertheless, yes, I am super excited to be talking about this with you guys because as always, uh, I am a busybody who knows too much about many things or has, has an approximate knowledge of many things, I think is the line I'm supposed to use here. And, uh, Disney is one of them. So it must be talked about. It must, it must, it must. Yes. First and foremost, I want to ask the question, gentlemen. Have you felt a change in the air at Disney over the last few years? And I'm not just talking about the pandemic and the COVID restrictions, <laughs> but I'm specifically talking about the way that their business has been handled, the way that they have uh. been working with their IPs and their parks and their services, their sales and their products. Thoughts, oh. Dan? No, I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, uh, the thing that's been the most, uh, I guess, concerning for a lot of people out there is the continued price of admission that has continued to go up and up um, not only that i know there are several uh season pass holders right now that are angry and upset because they can't even get into disney world on thanksgiving and a lot of people plan uh, their time in the around the holiday at the park and they can't do that because of caps or whatever it is uh you know uh, there are a lot of uh, ips that are struggling i mean I know I've said it. Uh, I just feel like this next, this current phase that we're in with Marvel movies, just they're kind of blah. They're not amazing. They're not fantastic, but they're okay, but passably so. Mm -hmm. uh, other than Star Wars on TV, uh, well, we haven't really gotten a decent Star Wars movie. Um, and, and on top of that, there's a lot of mismanagement. I mean, a lot of people going to the parks, going to galaxy's edge to build a lightsaber and there's not enough parts uh, or kyber <laughs> crystals for that matter and now they've changed over parts to a new series of lightsabers that no one has any knowledge or investment in but you can't get old parts uh and that's just to name a few things so for all of you at home i'd like to introduce a couple of people and terms and things that you are going to need to know to navigate this conversation primarily our conversation today revolves around a tale of two Bobs. Mm -hmm. One is Bob Iger, who uh, started with the company in the 2000s. He took over from Michael Eisner um, and was generally well-liked by people within the company and outside of the company. He helped grow Disney beyond the Eisner era 
into this really robust creative engine. Um, not perfect at everything. I want to be very clear about that. There are things that I disagree about with Bob Iger um, deeply. However, what he was excellent at was getting people over to his side and communicating the, the necessary ideas for any given project, etc., through the lens of storytelling, which made it a lot easier for the teams to coordinate with each other and made it a lot easier for um, consumers uh, like us to understand what was going on and how it was all going to work out and become invested in a plan of things to come. The other Bob that we're talking about is Bob Chapek. You can remember this because of his misnomer, his nom de plume, not by his choice of Bob Paycheck. Um, <laughs> Chapek. That's probably has, why I was calling him Chapek. <laughs> yeah. So Chapek has been with Disney for quite some time as well. However, his background and expertise was um, primarily through the parks and supply chains and product management and things like that. Um, and although uh, he is now gone, it's important that you understand why. We're going to talk a little bit about that in detail today. Um, but the biggest thing that you need to know about Bob Chapek going in is that he is a guy with a, a good understanding of business and a reasonable understanding of um, how to maintain supply chains and how to grow things from a numbers and data standpoint. But where he has consistently failed is where Bob Iger succeeded the most, which is being able to get people over to his side and tell a story about what's going on and how we're going to get there together. And so as we talk about a lot of things today, you're going to find that there are things that on paper make sense, but the delivery was wrong or he couldn't get the team behind him and things like that. And when you go from somebody who is a creative powerhouse like Iger, who may not have everything nailed down but at the very least can convince the people around him to work together to somebody like chapek who immediately came in and installed a whole bunch of people who had no creative background in the business and really in my opinion failed to understand what disney the company is even though on paper the ideas are good the execution is what killed him consistently a couple of other things that you need to know. Disney is a huge corporation. Surprise! They are not just <laughs> TV shows and uh, movies and theme parks. They are also products. They are licensing. They are publishers, both for music and books and art. They do a lot of things and have fingers in a lot of pies. They are an extremely complicated business. So much so that... And I don't think this is complete hyperbole. It has been said that the CEO of Disney needs to be one of the most widely versed people in the world, or at the very least be able to coordinate everybody under them to get the job done. If you can't know it all, you've got to build a team that does and be able to work with people who can talk about things with which you have no familiarity whatsoever. So there's kind of your, your foundational need to knows here. The other thing that's going to be very important is as we talk through the story of what's happened over the last few years, we will also bring up stock prices. And that is extremely boring to a lot of people, <laughs> but I promise I will only throw as many numbers at you as I can fit into my mouth at a time. So this is where I want to turn to Krebs and say, Krebs, what do you understand about Bob Chapek's rise to power and kind of the, the early rumblings of how that was going to turn out? You know, as a consumer of Disney, I've been thoroughly disappointed in the downward trend of everything that we've seen. Um, I got a chance to go to Disneyland uh, a little over a year ago for the first time in a few years. And so I got to go to Bob Iger's Disneyland prior to that. And then I got to go to Bob Chapek's Disneyland, right? And uh, I was I was honestly put out by a number of sort of environmental changes. I think that the I think that the greatest um sort of error that he's made along the way is that while Disney has always while Disney post Walt has always been about the almighty dollar, uh they have always done it in a way where the consumer still felt like they were getting something special. Or like mm. they themselves in some way were also special. And the way that Bob Shapek has done this 
it has come off as the consumers are essentially indentured to Disney as opposed to treasured by Disney. And uh, everything that has that all these declarations that have come out have been done in such a fashion. Maybe it's just the delivery, but I think also the quality of some of his decisions have uh, painted the picture that more and more the humanity of Disney is less and less. Yeah. And the econ- the economics of Disney become louder and louder, right? Yeah. So I think I think that might be his greatest failing in the last couple of years. And so he's his again, like you were saying, maybe it's just his delivery, maybe it's the execution by his team, maybe it's a number of of, of myriad variables, right? But I can't I can't uh, denounce the fact that like over the last two years the magic that is Disney has dwindled because it's been tainted by the corporate skin coming too close to the surface. Yeah, that's a really great summary of kind of the feeling there. You can buy special, but you can't be special. And the mm-hmm. magic is guac. It's always a little extra. Well, right? and even if you even if you buy special, it comes with conditions. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what was that special? Um, oh my gosh, the, the the magic key fa- yeah, the fiasco. magic key thing that was just a fiasco. I mean, there's a lot of people that are still frustrated with that. Um, I read an article mm-hmm. the other day where you know we went back in 2019, and I, I have a daughter with special needs, and it was such a wonderful experience. And I've heard people that have said it is actually faster to get in line and wait for like radiator springs than to use like these special ADA accommodations um, because you just end up waiting forever, Uh, which it's, it's sad that it's come to this. Yeah. So this is maybe a, um, a good point to kind of crystallize and summarize for people before I get into my long winded history of, and this is how we got here, (laughs) but We've talked about uh, the one of the things that was just very meant, barely mentioned was the magic key, which was yep. one of the very first things that was under Chapek's direction. They got rid of season passes and they replaced them with these keys to the kingdom. That there were different levels of keys that gave you different levels of access to the park. They you were required to still use the park reservation system, which made it kind of a weird, disingenuous thing because if you're buying a season pass, the idea is that you should have a degree of of access freedom yeah um and and the reservation system i will say and this this is not chapek's fault but the reservation system was sort of came out of the necessities that arose from the pandemic and so the pandemic had like this restricting effect i don't want to put that on his shoulders so i just want to throw that out there as flavor please continue absolutely but one of the things that started to get disney into trouble was that as part of that reservation system, they segmented the number of available reservations for a day into two groups, one for general access and one for season passes, which meant that season pass holders could be denied entrance to the park even if Disney was still selling tickets to general admission. Yeah. Um, Huge problem. There are currently ongoing lawsuits about that, so I don't want to get stupid deep into detail on it, but it will be a piece that we'll talk about. Um, Some of the other things that we've seen, some of these changes that have been going on with supply chain, particularly around some of the more specialized experiences like building your own lightsaber, Um, the shuttering of all of the Disney stores that were across the nation, some of which were caused by pandemic related issues, which makes sense, but a lot of which were in places that actually seemed to be doing just fine and they still got shuttered. Yep. Um, Disney Plus launching to uh, moderate success at first, but then slowly and steadily turning water and just dying, posting a $4 billion loss this year. Uh, That is not a small amount of money. No. (laughs) That's how much Um, they paid for uh, the acquisition of Marvel Studios. So Yeah. Um, We're seeing huge reductions in customer experiences, things that were kind of like standard and just expected going away. We've seen the removal of of fast pass lanes to be replaced with lightning lanes, which is exclusively a paid service, Um, which there's some nuance there that we'll get to in a minute, too. Um, But we've also seen a lot of things like amenities at hotels being reduced or disappearing um, meet and greets being altered beyond what is really necessary to accommodate for the situation with COVID-19 and 
cast members who are consistently coming out and having problems um, being abused, let go, denied access to proper care. Like, it, it, it gets really, really weird. Then beyond that, you have issues with Disney getting in trouble with the government, state government of Florida, um, as well as dealing with massive walkouts, layoffs, in addition to people just leaving their jobs voluntarily, bleeding Imagineers and creatives over to Universal and other theme parks across the world. The list just keeps going on and on and on. All of this, <coughs> excuse me. All of this is still happening, mind you, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and the beginnings of what looks like it's going to be a fairly nasty economic downturn on top of it. So not a great time to have everybody in the world pretty much not care for you. Yeah. Up to and including, I think we talked about this on a previous episode where he was invited to go out to D23 Expo, which is like the big event uh, convention yeah. for the year where all the fans get together, all the stockholders get together. They talk about what's coming up. Chapek decided not to go at the last minute, um, allegedly because he was booed out at some of the Disney parks. Um, he won't say that that was the case, but it is what it is. And... Um, all of this leading up to a very interesting backroom story, which I will save once we get to the part of the timeline, that resulted in his very sudden departure from the company and replacement mm. by Bob Iger in one evening. Um, Iger is now back on board for two years. He has a contract worth potentially $27 million this year. Um, with options next year. Uh, it's a $1 million base salary with an additional $1 million bonus contingent upon um, company performance. And then he has $25 million worth of bonus incentives based on metrics and objectives Ooh. that the stockholders want him to meet. It's well, and, crazy. And knowing him, he's probably going to meet those. And I oh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he stays on longer than two years, but I'm sure they're just using that uh, as a yeah. band-aid right now. I'm hopeful for that too, because as you were saying that, it's like Bob Chapek did all of this. I'm, I'm going to call it damage. He did all this damage yeah. in a two year window. It's probably going to take that long to not only repair the damage, but to make positive motion. So yeah, yeah I, I'm hoping that we get Iger for more than two years. Now, one thing that I will kind of um, call out and point out, if you look at Disney stock, Mm -hmm. um, over the last three years. For the majority of the time during Chapex tenure, it was actually relatively stable. It's only been in the last six to eight months that it started getting really rocky. Um, and even then, um, or I shouldn't say it that way. And, and rocky, what I mean is that their stock price halved from its, Ooh. from its high, of one hundred and sixty dollars um, down to a low of eighty six twenty eight. That's um, a huge drop. That's, that's an enormous huge. drop. Yeah. Now, at some point, we will talk about Hasbro, which I'm looking forward to in another episode. <laughs> so, all of you who are sitting there screaming into your microphone that that's what we should be talking about, don't worry, it's coming. We've been talking about doing that episode too, but then with the Iger announcement, this one supplanted it. Um, but there is a lot of weird stuff going on behind the scenes. All while Disney is being hit with a potential antitrust lawsuit, while, the, while they're still dealing with the ramifications of potentially having their um, cityhood, their incorporation revoked, mm -hmm. they're dealing with major international issues, major domestic issues, um, still bleeding staff. But we need to cast our minds back for a moment to 2020. I know it still feels like it's 2020, <laughs> but stick with me here. 2019, Bob Iger announces that he's getting ready to leave. And they say that he needs to appoint a successor. It really takes him a while. And this is, mind you, after he had already extended his contract multiple times. Yeah. Uh, Bob Iger is the Tom Brady of CEOs. <laughs> but he decided that he was going to go with Bob Chapek, who's this guy who's been with the company for a long time. He was the head of parks um, and entertainment. And, and, um, even though he was a moderately unpopular person within the company broadly, the foundational concepts of the ideas that he brought to the table were 
pretty sound. Um, and so they announced that that was who his successor was going to be. Um, he announced an abnormally long crossover period for that, which was surprising to a lot of people at the time, and they weren't quite sure what was going on. In hindsight, I think it's because he was trying to teach the kid how to tell a story. <laughs> but I try not to get too far ahead. But knowing that, Dan, I'm pretty sure you visited in 2019 or 2020. Yep. It was 2019, yeah. Okay. It was before the pandemic hit. Yep. So so um, describe to me, barring, of course, COVID accommodations, what Disney was like in the, in the good old days. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. I mean, short. I mean, the only problem I had in my, my whole trip going to Disney was the fact that I was not aware that you could not have a selfie stick. Uh, and my selfie stick that I bought for the trip had been literally, they just threw it in the garbage can. Um, but other than that, it was a really fun adventure. Um, you know, my kids and I had, had a great time. Uh, my ex at the time had a good time as well. There's tons of people around. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was happy. The fast pass was was a brilliant tool that we took advantage of as well as the accommodations for my daughter. We hit, we rode every ride in one day, you know, mm. which it, it is possible. It is possible to get every ride. And we did so. And we went on every attraction and I even had enough time to sneak away and fly the millennium Falcon with my kids. And mm. I got to build a lightsaber. Um, it was a really fun time. And, and I've always enjoyed Disney. It's always a place where I really act like a giant kid. Well, not- I mean, I act thing- like a giant kid normally, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. A notable thing to what Dan was saying there is, you know, you mentioned that you hit every single ride in a day. Yeah. Keep in mind, 2019 attendance at the Disney parks was the highest it has ever been. It was insane. Mm. Well, not only that, I have a large family, so I was able to get everyone wow. on every ride with me. That's a huge so, accomplishment. Yeah. Like, no joke. Yeah. The other the other question that I kind of want to talk about with or ask you specifically, knowing that uh, you, you are a fan of the toys and the merch and the things oh, yeah. like that. Not specifically Disney toys and merch, but I'm saying broadly, yes. you are a collector of things. Yes. Talk to me about, like, what stood out to you about Disney products at that time uh well i mean in the park or just in general in the park or in general i mean in the park i mean the nice thing about you know in the park you had everything you know you had a little bit of everything you know my kids you know i got a little bit of star wars stuff my youngest son got a lion king hat we got some mickey ears i mean everyone got something my older kids they got sweatshirts with disney on it and the store did i mean there was tons of people going in and out of those stores, but it never looked mm-hmm. like a shelf was barren. It never looked like they were running out of product. The product mm-hmm. was always stocked up. I know that's not the case now. I mean, I, I'm constantly watching, you know, the Reddit feeds and other, uh, but you know, the discord channel and stuff like that, where people are just complaining, like, yep, went to, you know, I made a reservation and paid to make a lightsaber and they had no parts. You know, they waited till the end. So they didn't have to tote their lightsaber around and, and they're like, it's, it's a Monday and there's no, there's no parts. Like, how do you run out of parts? Um, I, and and I again, that, that, that's frustrating, especially when that's the one and only day that you're spending at the park. And yeah. that was a key focal point for you. And for me, it was too. Like when I was there, I was waiting all day. I booked my reservation at the end of the day because I didn't want to drag it around. And man, uh, it was, it was amazing for me, but I, I I could imagine. I can't imagine how disappointing that would be to get to the end of the day, go to build my saber, and like, sorry, we're out of parts. These are the these are the parts we have, and it's not even enough to build a whole lightsaber. I can I can absolutely vouch for that too. So the last time that Tosh and I went was May of 2021. Um, it was when I got my dark saber, and it was a beautiful experience. If you guys didn't get yeah. to go hear that episode, go cast your minds back to 2021 and you know look at some of those episodes it was great yes um 
Now, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, there were supply chain issues because yes. even beyond just the pandemic related stuff, there was already a shipping crisis. There was already major problems getting things in and out of ports. Yes. And it just got exacerbated by everything with COVID-19. So you would expect a degree of like stuff arriving at weird times and things yeah. like that. And and that absolutely happened. I wasn't there for May the 4th, but I was there, you know, two weeks later, I think. And on the last day of my trip, uh, a notice went out online that, oh, they've stocked the Darksaber. And I was able to get one. And it was awesome. Um, but the other thing that used to be a thing at Disney was that even if you had similar kinds of stores within a given park, but especially between parks... They mm-hmm. always carried slightly different stock. Yeah, you know, you're always going to be able to find your Mickey ears. You're always going to be able to find your Magic Bands and things like that, and, yeah. and the and the really generic, you know, Fab Five mugs and things like that. But they did a very good job of trying to keep a, a little bit of something unique in every single stall within yes. a given park. And if you went between parks, it was very difficult to yeah. find the same thing. Yeah. Um, in 2021 absolutely not true and since that point i have watched theme park goers as it has just gotten worse and worse and worse uh i i would say i I can hear what you're saying and i and i agree with that too i think it's almost like they're trying to make every store look flush by having the things that they have overstock of everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I will say if you get to the heavily themed items, the things that are specifically Spider-Man you'll find in, you know, in California, you know, in the, in the Marvel section of the park and the things that are like super duper star Wars, like Mandalorian costumes or lightsabers that you're only going to find that in, in Batu, And then, mm-hmm. so like the heavily thematic stuff is still spread to distinct and unique shops. Yeah. But I def- definitely hear what you're saying that like the more generalized IP tends to be scattered everywhere. And there's no longer that scavenger hunt for that special sous vide because you'll find the same sous vide everywhere. I mean, a great example of this, um, one of my wives, one of my wife's, Favorite rides. One of your wives. One of my wives. <laughs> don't, the many don't wives of Alton. Nobody, nobody share this episode. Everybody share this episode. Like, comment, subscribe, whatever. You know, do yes. the thing. But the broad point being, one of her favorite rides is Big Thunder Mountain. Mm, and when we went Fantastic. in, when we went in 2020, um, uh, we, we were kind of in a weird spot for money, and so there was a, a whole bunch of big thunder mountain merch and I didn't pick anything up for, her except for like a little cheap, like fridge magnet thing. But when we went back in 2021, I was like, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna find this for you. I could not find a thing. Oh, I'm in magic kingdom. I'm over there. There's, there's not a thing. And it's not like this is an unpopular ride. That's like being shuttered for demolition. There was nothing. Um, but the same was also true when I went over to like Black Spire Outpost and even between shops to shops in 2021, there were things that were crossing over. And that is supposed to be like one of the most thematic in universe places you can be. Um, you know, now I hadn't thought of this till we started talking about this uh, just shows you my obliviousness to some of the, the point of sale you know, uh, brick and mortar style strategic, you know, strategeries that go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm totally oblivious to that stuff sometimes. But now that you mention it, like I have seen so many ads on social media about Shop Disney, and they have like this really robust online distribution. It's kind of like kind of like Disney Amazon hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is are we basically seeing a transition from the brick and mortar distribution, the idea that you can only get special uh-huh. souvenirs at the parks? Are we seeing a, a like, like a, a migration away from that to go to an online distribution where yep. they can, where they can make a higher profit margin for some of them, some of them. So let's talk about that. This yeah, is actually I mean, one of the things that's been explicitly brought up in a lot of the analysis that's going on right now is Disney's direct to customer sales are down 85%. Well, 85 <laughs> percent that's huge why that everywhere is, else is booming what the heck like and 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 the thing is like the theory is is that by shuttering all of these stores and moving everything online you would avoid a lot of these stock issues and you could do more diverse crazy merch and things like that yeah that's not where the consumer is 
And as they've engendered so much ill will, it's just continued to get worse and worse and worse. Wow. Well, is it down because their pricing model is is you know atrocious, atrocious because Disney and they're getting it from like alternative vendors or is uh, it uh, why is it down 80 85 percent is ridiculous I'm, I'm holding on to this oh. for just a minute let that let that simmer in the back of your head right. because there is another important question that i need to direct towards krebs oh since okay. i asked right. since i asked dan all about you know the parks and the merch and yeah. the things like that krebs i'm gonna put the burden on you yep. let's talk about disney media in 2019 mm. and and where it was at because let's be honest not everything was great i'm looking yeah, at you sequel true. star wars but let's talk about what was going on at that time real quickly before he jumps in and do that you know i, I because we were talking about merch and that the disney stores that were around were a nice place to stop and try to get some disney stuff without having to book a trip uh with those gone it's really disappointing it's really disappointing that you can't get out and, you know, just stop at a Disney store and kind of wander into a small pocket dimension of Disney yeah. uh, that's outside the park. Yeah, those stores were so special because it was it was like a, a tiny dose of Disney yeah. at the parks anywhere you mm-hmm. went. Yeah. And that's gone. Uh, going to the media aspect. So um, it's interesting because... I, I'm one of the few people who actually really enjoys the new trilogy, but I, I openly acknowledge that it has glaring flaws also, right? Like I, mm. I find the parts that I enjoy. I acknowledge the parts that I don't. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, this was leading up to the launch of Disney plus. Um, in fact, uh, for me personally, since you asked about this, I will jump into it. Um, <laughs> for me personally, when I heard the announcement that Disney Plus was coming, I was furious because we already had Hulu, we already had Netflix, we already had Amazon Prime, and I knew, I knew, I knew that the moment that Disney launched their own proprietary platform, that was going to become the mold for everybody. Because once Disney pulls up stakes and once Netflix can no longer carry Disney IP, all of a sudden everyone else is going to take their ball and go home. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, you, You have... A streaming platform for Fox and for AMC and for Show and Showtime and HBO. Those are kind of like special in their own way. I get that, but mm. like NBC and CBS and then freaking yeah. Paramount, Peacock and, Universe, and Paramount. Yeah, I know. Like like now, all of a sudden, the thing that we were trying to avoid, the the model we were trying to break to get away from cable and satellite, which was like you have to buy this bundle of 300 channels that you don't need so you can watch the 10 shows you like. We were doing that with a la carte services. That's what we wanted. And then Disney goes, yeah, we're doing our own platform. Oh, and we're bringing ESPN and Hulu. Well, eventually it was Hulu, but we're we're bringing Mm -hmm. National Geographic with us too, and that's going to be our platform. And it's like... (laughs) What what and then and then Discovery's like oh oh we have a D in our name too we have a DIS in our name we're gonna have our own play and then so it went right so like 2019 was like this great divergence of of media aggregation and where we had Netflix and Prime and Hulu were like our main contenders and we could trust on them to cover like all the bases now we couldn't that was a huge blow to the consumer mm-hmm. in my opinion and then wouldn't you know it by the way Disney called their service Disney Plus and then magically. All of a sudden, on almost every platform, the paid premium subscription for any streaming service magically ended with a plus. Isn't yeah. that interesting? You know, yeah. it, and so that's, that's in terms of like media delivery. In terms of media content, you know, we were, we were coming, we, we, we got to the end of the new Star Wars trilogy. Uh, we had the introduction uh, after the launch of Disney Plus of Mandalorian, I think that 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 I know that that Star Wars focus, but that shows like this incredible line in the sand between mm-hmm. sort of like the the money mill approach of Disney to handling treasured IP to this new curated artisanal approach to 
uh, treasured IP because the moment that you took away the film by committee formula and you injected true fans who were also superstar directors like John Favreau and Dave Filoni and Taika Waititi and the rest of them that we've talked about so many times, the moment that they allowed that to happen, there was this immense and magical transition in media production, in my opinion. Oh, I have I have a comment to that. I do so too. You, you mentioned that you know the the money. Uh, how did you phrase it? Something about the money. money mill formula. Okay. I still think they're using the money. mill. Formula. Oh, they are. They are. And this is the reason why none of these t- series they have produced will ever probably come out on DVD or Blu-ray forcing us. If we want to rewatch them to continue paying into Disney plus every other out there, even Netflix puts some, their more popular series out on a DVD and Blu-ray. That's true. Disney refuses. And people are out there demanding, like, I want I want Mandalorian season one and two on Blu-ray. I want Book of Boba, you know, all these. And yet they're not releasing them. And it's so frustrating, especially to someone that has to have that piece of their Star Wars collection. Uh, that's a very valid point. And to just put the cherry on top of my commentary, I will point out, because I agree with you on this, the money mill formula of them converting previously successful animated IP into pseudo live action CG stuff. And they're basically just telling the exact same story again with maybe some, some polished up jokes or whatever. I mean, an extra song or an extra song or whatever. For me, for me, like beauty and the beast, actually Lion King, Lion King is my favorite example of this because Lion King uh, as, as a, a remake even with the with the blessed uh, dulcet tones of James Earl Jones and all that, um, mm-hmm. the remake of Lion King was, in my opinion, an absolutely disappointing and almost insulting oh, recreation yeah. of a treasured cl- of what what has become a treasured classic. I, I totally agree. So this is where this is where one of you is supposed to ask the question. So, but why is this? And then I say, but I'm not going to tell you yet. <laughs> because but alton why is this well no i'm saving it for the end Krebs. i'm saving oh, oh, it for the oh, end oh, oh, okay. because as it turns out one of the statements that you made there i actually believe to be categorically false Ooh, say it, say Ooh. it. and and i will explain more about it at the end but for right now i am going to be bold and say that for the vast majority of disney ips and projects creatives were taken out of the room i agree with that and and we'll talk more about how I back that up in just a moment. Sure. But first, we got to talk about, okay, so that was that was the that was kind of the 2019 state. And we teased a little bit of like, and then there's this line in the sand and things started to happen. So let's compare that to how things are today, right? Um, how, how do you feel about the state of media and and content consumption today? We talked about, you know, you can't get these things for personal consumption if you don't have the Internet. Yeah. But what else? How, how do you feel they're handling their IPs? How do you feel they're handling their productions? Uh, well, uh, depends on what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I think Daniel and I might agree on this next one. I'm a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I have seen some truly great new additions to Treasured IPs come out. I've seen mm-hmm. some I've seen some acceptable new additions to rather tropish mm-hmm. branches like 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 stuff they're doing to Mighty Ducks and things like that. Sure, why not? Yeah. Why not, right? Like it's kind of it, I could take it or leave it, right? Um and then you have utterly atrocious things like we did, we mentioned Lion King. I actually thought the Dumbo remake was respectable. I actually liked the Dumbo remake, but um I Don't think forget that that the Eternals. At I, I will always forget the Eternals. Um, I already have. Anyway, so so it, for me, it's a mixed bag. There have been things mm-hmm. that I think are I I will I will forever be grateful to Mandalorian in very mm-hmm. much the same way that I'm grateful to John Dykstra and George Lucas in having made the 1977 Star Wars because the things that they did with technology to innovate in a restricted space has literally transformed how modern media is produced for more than just Disney IP. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have, they have pioneered an incredible new way to create these fantastic landscapes and, 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 um, and environments, these volumes. Right. Uh, And so, 
I I think I mean, that makes me as a as a as a previous you know as a filmmaker in a previous life as it were, I super geek out about that kind of stuff, and I think I I just utterly praise the media gods for for that moment in history um but with every mandalorian you you end up with um you know a beauty and the beast remake and it's like i'm not sure it's a mixed bag or little well little mermaid i'm not willing to to pick or pan just yet i'm willing to like give it a shot yeah it's just another animated to live action uh for for every mandalorian that's what we thought dumbo was gonna be for, yeah, from, I, I still haven't seen Dumbo. I, I actually liked it. I, I, like I haven't I think seen it's the live it. action Cinderella either. I just... Oh, I haven't. So here's the thing. I do think that the live action Cinderella has some flaws, but sure. I have a soft spot in my heart for that okay. film. Any any time that you are going to actually meaningfully change the formula of a story like that and allow your theme to tell people especially young people who are trying to grow and figure out their place in the world to have faith and be kind mm-hmm. like oh okay. man if Fair only enough. that message I, had again, come I out three years it. later I, so that's <laughs> that that's the dave filoni george lucas formula of like always always let there be hope right yeah, yeah. so uh, i mean as far as yeah. as far as the movies um you know I, I agree it's kind of been a mixed bag you know where we've gotten some really good content but that's because of the people heading the material you know the reason mandalorian and book of boba and even obi-wan were good is because we had dave filoni we had uh john favreau we had good content creators that their focus was you know the fans as well as themselves as fans they wanted to see what they've always wanted to create why they were growing up on the screen um and then you know i I know i completely disagree with andor with Krebs, we'll we'll talk. I'm about so that excited to have that episode. I'm so excited uh, for that. Uh, but I, I I really, I, I yeah. I, I'll just leave it at that. I've already okay. said it before. Um, yeah. it, it fan X. Uh, but <laughs> um, you know, I just watched I just watched Disenchanted. It just came out. You know, my kids mm. have been excited to see this. You know, the the original movie was a surprise, but it was a really good film. It was yeah. enjoyable. It was kooky and fun, but in a good way. This one made me feel like it was another one of those 1990 straight to DVD films mm. where it's not even good enough to throw up on the big screen. We're just uh. going to kind of squeak it out. And it just it it just didn't feel it's like they they ruined the characters. They squashed on things. They had a great idea, but they just didn't execute well. You know, and we've mm-hmm. seen that in some of the, the the Marvel films that have come out where, mm-hmm. you know, Wakanda Forever. I think it was a beautiful piece to, you know, as a memorial to Chadwick Boseman. Yes. But I just don't feel like it was a great movie. It just kind of was blah. Same way with Thor. Same with all the other movies that have come out. They just, other than Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi is the only one that I really enjoyed because I felt like it was a really fleshed out story. But the other ones have just kind of been... Okay, that was just a Marvel movie. Now what? Yeah. So, this is where we get into the section where we talk about the before and after, and we start to fill in some of the reasons and some of the gaps here. Let's All talk right. about let's talk about where Disney was in 2019. Yes, and then we'll and then we'll play the tape from there and see like what kind of happens, right? And really, to understand 2019, you have to go even farther back than that. Um, but Disney, at its core. Even though I do believe that they are a money-making machine and a business at heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. The way or the methodology that they approach that is from the aspect of solid storytelling. This yeah. is something that marketing has really only been catching up to in the last 20 years, in my opinion. Of the idea that if you can tell somebody a story, they're going to attach to it. And then they're more likely to engage with your brand, oh, yeah? your product, your IP, etc. Mm-hmm. But from the very beginning, that was a core tenet of Disney. So Disney in 2019, the creative process often looked something like this. Two people are sitting in a back room talking to each other 
and they're they're talking about you know some of these IPs that are coming up where they're thinking like you know okay what are people looking for and one of them has this really cool idea and they start to talk to each other and it kind of blue skies and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and one of them sits down and starts to paint and one of them starts to put together little models either on the computer or in person or whatever and and eventually it bubbles up into a kind of cohesive idea of here's what we're going to do and that creative foundational push then goes and gets presented to senior management who make decisions about what needs to happen there. Now, obviously for everybody out there who is a major Disney file or who is knows the ins and outs of the business, I am obviously speaking in very broad strokes. There were obviously times in which things came down from on high or from an analyst or a partnership with another company. But broadly speaking, the first stop for all ideas was imagineering or a creative of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then this is what was typically called the blue sky phase where they're literally just creating whatever ideas they want to do. Nothing is actionable yet, but then they start to run it past analysts and they start to run it past focus groups. And then they look at feasibility and then they start to trim things out or modify things. You'd see a lot of times at, um, at D23, you know, they would make high level announcements with these beautiful, big, broad matte paintings. And then a few years later, things would be a little bit different. <laughs> but broadly speaking, they were starting from the perspective of what are we trying to communicate? What are we trying to help people feel or understand? What's the story that we're trying to tell? And then... They say, okay, we've got the general story beats that we want to hit. How do we make this profitable? And then they move forward until they can find a way where story and profitability intersect. And at that point, you've got Disney magic. Step forward to uh, 2020. Iger, who had stepped away from the company just a couple of months before, gets called back in by the board saying, you know, this whole pandemic thing is starting up and we really want to make sure that everything is rock solid. Chapek gets his panties in a twist that he isn't being explicitly trusted with everything. And the rumor goes that he, that the two Bobs had some pretty awful infighting and that ultimately Iger was like, okay, fine, do it yourself. (laughs) And that was the end of that. Chapek immediately sets up a brand new team that... Uh, in which he installs a number of people who think like him, talk like him, have the same background as him. Not necessarily, I'm not going to go so far as to say that they were all yes men or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but these are people who are foundationally business-minded. And instead of ideas bubbling through the creative team, it changes so that everything starts to come from the top down. Mm This team determines what needs to happen next and gives you your feasibility and gives you your budget and gives you everything else and then says, figure out how to make it work. And some percentage of the time, they have particular stipulations around who needs to be involved, how it needs to be presented, things like that. And so they're determining the binding, the number of chapters, the number of pages, the word count before the story has even been figured out. And then they're trying to build from there. At the same time, because all of these people are very numbers-minded, they're looking at data. They're looking at where people's wallets are at. They're looking at what people's interests are. And so we start to see a lot more swinginess in Disney projects, where either they are home runs who perfectly connect with this audience exactly, like Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. or they are pretty bad because even though on paper this is what should work the fact is is that that doesn't always translate one-to-one and especially when you are curtailing creatives who up until this point in the entire history of the company have had basically as long as they have needed to do needed to to do all of this pre-visualization and all of these exercises are now being told you've got six months to turn out a project things just don't translate yeah. And you end up with a lot more off-the-shelf stuff. You end up with a lot of stock rides and carnivals and things that just, like, don't really quite mesh. And then occasionally something breaks through that is exceptional. At the same time, the world has gone into a pandemic. People are going home. The parks are seeing massive attendance drops for obvious reasons. And because Disney had already been pushing towards this Disney Plus thing, they start going a lot heavier into it. 
but because all of the other companies around the world have started to pick up on this same idea and started to retract their intellectual properties into their own individualized platforms. Disney, I believe, actually, of most of the streaming services that exist, actually did a pretty good job of navigating that storm conceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quality of the content, the speed at which content comes out, is all being dictated from a centralized team. I think that the reason that Star Wars somehow got better during the pandemic overall is because they had already made the mistakes before the pandemic. Yeah. And so they were finally starting to like put resources and people back where they belong and the data, the outcry from everybody lined up with what needed to happen anyway. Um, Surprise. A multi-billion dollar IP that everybody loves and spends money on knows how to run itself if you just listen to the fans. But nevertheless, so that's where you see all of a sudden things like Marvel, which had been super, super structured, carefully curated, but always from a central theme of story, all of a sudden start getting really weird and disjointed. And it's beyond just the idea that we've moved past the Infinity Stones saga like everything is now starting to get really disjointed because they say, Oh, we have people who are Dr. Strange fans. So we need to do a Dr. Strange film. We've got people who are, um, who are, who are black widow fans. So we need to do a black widow film and you know, all these other little things start coming together at the same time that theaters are struggling. Things are getting weird in the world. While all of this is going on, um, black lives matter. Uh, whole bunch of lgbtqia plus Mm -hmm. rights Mm -hmm. start to become a major issue um political divisions are higher than they've ever been and this is where i'm putting in my asterisk ahead of time everybody i'm not going to get into the specific politics of anything i'm not going to make any statements on the specific politics of anything (laughs) but it is relevant to the story it is yeah and as people are getting increasingly cooped up and frustrated with the world and feel like everybody is attacking everybody else that starts to bubble up. Now remember, our buddy Chapek has never been perfectly popular at Disney. Mm-hmm. Because foundationally, even when his ideas are good, he doesn't know how to communicate them. And he doesn't know how to get people onto his side. And he doesn't know how to pull in a team that doesn't already think the way that he does. Yeah. So they announced that this park reservation system is going live. And that means that we may as well rush forward Genie Plus as well. So we're eliminating fast passes and we're moving over to this lightning lane system and we're going to have all these multiple tiers and the numbers work (laughs) but the experience suffers badly yeah the fact is if you look at actual wait times etc the average wait time for the average person has gone down but at the same time People with special needs, as Dan already very rightfully called out, get the shaft. Mm -hmm. People who have gotten used to a system of fast passes where they can plan out their kind of keystone moments throughout the week. Now all of a sudden are expected to pay additional prices on top of an inflated ticket price. And they aren't really working properly. And some of these algorithms that are supposed to be there were originally designed around four times the capacity. Genie Plus on paper works really well because you've got all these people on cell phones and you're able to track live data of people moving around the park. And when you have four times the capacity, that becomes super valuable because then you can see where patterns are and you can make active suggestions to people. But the other thing that happens when park attendance goes down is that the number of people working the park goes down. Yeah. Which means that now the data isn't as valid and you don't have attendance where you need them to be and you don't have the budget for upkeep and maintenance. You are struggling to put together new projects. Many of them go on hold or get canceled completely. Some of them get rushed to completion in a hope just to lure some number of people back. But because Chapek hasn't been able to get people on on his side and he's rushing it to market, he's then botching his delivery to the public to explain this is how this benefits you. This is how this helps you. Here's the broad story of what your new Disney experience is going to look like, feel like, be, do for you. People don't like change when they don't understand it. 
And even when they do understand it, it can still be a hard sell. So if you're going to make changes, you better be able to communicate them cleanly, cleanly and efficiently. Then he starts getting in trouble because as things are getting worse for his employees, not only in Florida, not only in the United States, but across the world broadly, he starts to have walkouts Mm -hmm. from massive portions of his organization. Disney, while not being like openly flamboyantly LGBTQ over the board friendly, has always been very welcoming to those guests and has a lot of cast members who rely upon social systems and laws being in place to protect them and their interests. Mm-hmm. He delays responding to the things that are going on across the nation and across mm-hmm. the world broadly. And then in Florida, where particular bills start to get passed. Mm-hmm. Then, as everybody is walking out on him, he rushes a response and puts it out into public and pisses off all of the Republicans in Florida. Because he pulled all of the funding out of all political parties at once, but the only person that he seems to be openly attacking is the governor of Florida, (laughs) who then responds in kind. So now there's a question around whether Disney is going to be able to even maintain its ticket prices and sovereignty and everything else in the middle of all of this. And the people who are working for Disney are about to be unduly impacted by major tax fluctuations as the state now takes on a substantial tax burden that Disney had been footing the bill for. It keeps getting worse. (laughs) They watch as their direct-to-consumer sales disintegrate as they eliminate all of their stores. And people who now cannot travel to the Disney parks also cannot get their Disney fix, which means that Disney is no longer front of mind. Which means they have no incentive to go to the parks, which means they have no incentive to buy stuff, which means that all of these little niche things that have finally now been delivered eight months too late are sitting languishing on back shelves and in storerooms, and there isn't space to put them in all the parks, but at the same time, they've got to be much more safe about what they put in the parks because now they've alienated all of their pass holders, all of their locals. So you have people that are coming to Disney for a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and when they come to Disney, and that's the only trip they're ever going to have, they aren't looking for specific specialized merchandise. They're looking for the Disney World, the Castle, the Fab Five, all these other things. And so you have to, by necessity, in order to protect your bottom line, de-diversify, for lack of a better word, all of your offerings. And it just starts to come apart at the seams. What's come out in the last 24 hours is a whole bunch of interesting stories from the back rooms of Disney. But I'm not talking about people on the bottom line. I'm not talking about random poster on a random forum. (laughs) I'm talking about people at the top who are coming out and saying that when Chapek's contract was renewed, they essentially started staging a coup. Wow. Going behind his back to talk directly with board members. Some of them even reaching out to Iger personally to try to convince him to come back and do something about it. Wow. And the way that I am hearing it being presented is that essentially there ended up being a pivotal meeting between a number of senior creative staff and the board saying, look, you can have Chapek or you can have us, but you can't have both because he has cut all of the creatives out of the process and is expecting us to just figure out how to put it together. And guess what? If you are a company whose core identity is storytelling and all of your storytellers are saying, I'm going to go move to all of your competitors, that's not much of a choice at all. That's right. Yeah, that's a huge issue. And so even in the reasonable number of ideas that Chapek had that were actually foundationally good because he could not win people across, it didn't matter. That's right. Let this be a warning story. (laughs) (laughs) For any of you who own businesses, any of you who manage teams, and especially for other companies out there, I yes, I am explicitly looking at you, Hasbro and others. Think about who your customers are. And I don't just mean the end consumer. Every single one of us has customers all up and down the chain within the companies that we work with. Sometimes they're suppliers or distributors, they're salespeople, they're creatives, they're managers, they're frontline employees. It's an ecosystem, and the larger your company is, the more important that maintaining the balance within that ecosystem becomes. So, I want to make sure to hand this over, because we've been 
going on this for quite a while. And thank you, everybody, who's still <laughs> listening to our voices at this point. Um, but I'm very interested to see what the community has to think about this. And I'm super interested to see what continues to develop as more stories come out and as things start to come together. Iger, on day one, already um, ousted the majority of the team that Bob Chapek had put together. But not all of them. Because the core idea was good, and he has come forward to tell everybody that he wants to put decision-making power back in the hands of creatives while still having these profit and loss bottom line people involved because that's a necessary part of making their business grow and work in this changing environment. I am also excited to talk about Hasbro at some future point. Yes, please. Over which I have many, many thoughts, and (laughs) I would like to crack a deal with the two of you. Okay. I have been I have been very unkind to Transformers in the past. Oh, <laughs> yes, you have. I have a lot of strong feelings, but I will also admit that I have not consumed the overwhelming majority of iterations of Transformers. <laughs> so here's yeah. the deal that I'm going to crack. If Chris Cox, who is the current CEO of Hasbro, gets ousted in a similar manner to how Chapek is, or even if he just decides he's going to step down, we will have a Transformers watchathon. You may each choose three pieces of media, and I will watch them, and we will build out a couple of episodes talking about okay. Transformers. One I of those like be, that. One of them has to be the animated Transformers, the movie. Sorry, that just it is. Uh, yes, absolutely. You have to see the movie. Beautiful, so that means beautiful soundtrack. That mm-hmm. means we have to come up with five key episodes from the original That's series That's to easy. to prepend that. Yeah. So I, I would change that. So it's anything in season one and two. Just yep. forget season three and four. Because season three that. and four is after the movie. And I enjoy it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, well, I'm with you. I'm, with I'm you. looking 100%. forward to it. I like so this. Dungeon I'm crawlers, hold you to this. Go, go out, vote with your dollars, make some noise. I really, really, really want to see some of my favorite franchises continue to exist. Um, not only within Disney and Hasbro, but other places as well. And we've been under an extraordinary time in history for the convergence of technology and media and growth. Let's figure out how to do this together. Let's build better businesses. And tell us what you think. Reach out to us. Go to DungeonCrawlersRadio.com or send an email into us. And we'd love to hear from you. But with that, I want to make sure to hand it back to you, Dan. All right. I mean, this is, uh, this is the fascinating thing that really baffles me when it comes to Disney plus. And I know you didn't get to jump into it much, but Disney has a giant Scrooge McDuck piggy bank pretty much. And we're only getting a trickle of content. I mean, I I suspect that the $4 billion loss they posted on Disney plus this year (laughs) will start to change that. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, because you look at Netflix and Netflix is constantly putting out original content. Even Amazon Prime is putting out more original content. And they're not originally this type of a content creator. But Disney has been doing this for a long time. And it's not like these guys are newbies. They've had their own channel. They've had a kid's channel. They've been making movies and films and animation. It's surprising that they've put out so little. And it lately, it's like I said, that Disenchanted film really felt like, you know, the 90s where they were just throwing out straight to DVD films. Mm. They, you know, it was just good enough that people would buy them and like, oh man, all right. It goes goes back to Eisner's policy of, of first, second, third base and home runs, yeah. which I think we've talked about in a previous episode. Maybe maybe we ought to do an episode just on Disney Plus at yeah. some point. I like I've got idea. a business model for Disney Plus that, yeah. you know... I think would make them wildly profitable and everybody happy at the same time. <laughs> but I like that. What, yeah. But what I hope is that, you know, Iger's going to come in. He's going to, you know, cause it, he, the guy is smart. And then what I hope is he's going to take the things from JPEG that, you know, look solid. that can work with the right people, with the right know-how and the right mechanics built into it and move those forward. And then he's going to come in and say, these things don't work. I mean, that's what every CEO does. They come in, you know, hundred day plan, what works, what doesn't now we're going to make changes. And that's probably what's happening right now. We're in that hundred day plan period where he's just surveying that stuff. 
And then we're going to see some good changes. I'm hoping we go, we're going to see some really amazing changes to the supply chain stuff, to seeing Disney stores returning, to maybe seeing a more affordable Star Cruiser adventure <laughs> where you're not trapped in a cement bunker for a weekend. Or um, just a better one. I'm willing to pay the price if it's good. Yeah. Right? Right? Um, you know, realizing if you offer a lightsaber, most of the people are coming for one of those. You know, you better stock up. I mean, it's like going to a pizza store uh, on a Friday night to go get a pizza. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be an hour and 20 minutes. Like, you should know on Friday nights there's going to be a higher demand of pizza. But I digress. Uh, I'm excited and I hope to see things because Bob Iger did do some amazing things for Disney. I hope he can turn this around because $4 billion is a huge loss. I mean, as Krebs has already said, that was the cost of Marvel Studio. Yeah, Marvel's old. The studios, the comics, everything. You know, no wonder this has happened, to be honest. But, you know, and I get COVID hurt them because they lost the revenue from the parks. But was that revenue really equal to $4 billion? I can't, maybe, maybe so, but... If their stock prices have been pretty solid till now, that says a lot. It, even though the pandemic hit, they were still able to float that. But um, I do hope things turn around because I enjoy going to the happiest place on earth. But right now it's not so happy. Mm -hmm. so. Tasha and I didn't go this year. It's the first time in our marriage that we haven't made a trip to Disney. Even when we've been at our poorest, we still found a way to do a weekend at Disneyland. You know, I, I wanted to I wanted to go myself this year, and I just couldn't bring myself. I mean, I was just reading the stories of how prices had gone up. And it's like, man, it's going to, you know, just for me to go was, was going to be quite a bit. And, you know, uh, I think it was going to be almost... Not quite, but almost a third of what I paid to take my whole family when I went in 2019. She's beneath. Uh, which was crazy. So, yeah. But, anyways, folks, we do want to hear your thoughts. We appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, we know we're closing out towards the end of 2022, uh, but we do have some some ideas and some plans that we're, we're formulating um, and we're talking about things. But uh, we've got some pretty good ideas for stories. Uh, for show ideas, we got really regenerated when we were at FanX and met some of our fans. We, you know, there were some people that actually uh, came to see us, and we had a great showing there. Uh, so, if you're interested in having dungeon crawlers at one of your local conventions, and you know someone, let them know that we're interested in coming and doing a live show and talking about stuff like this because this is this is our bread and butter. This is our our joy. This is why we've continued to do it. That's at least why I've continued to do it. Because mm -hmm. as of next month, it'll be, uh, you know, working on year 15. Ooh. So, Ooh. Um, Dungeon crawlers can almost drive a car. Yes. Yeah. It, and plainly, like, even if it isn't a panel, even if you just want us to, like, come run a game or oh, yeah. <laughs> do interviews, like, yes. we will gladly do it. And yeah, yeah. No. we got a lot of cool things. We got some really cool things. Uh, I have some really fun ideas if we were to do games. Um, we could do a, a very similar, I'm sure we could get Tracy's blessing, but do a, a similar uh, killer breakfast, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I, am, I am being paid again this year to go and run a gauntlet for uh, the Game Manufacturers Association. Nice. Nice. So, nice. Congrats, yeah. my dude. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be called a killer breakfast, but maybe we could call it the killer dungeon crawl. I don't know. We'll, we'll call it something. Deadly or, brunch. Deadly brunch. Deadly brunch, yeah. Or or we could even <laughs> do a random. tea time. Yes. <laughs> Off-putting tea time. <laughs> I like that. I like both, that. both dungeon crawling and golf. Uh, yes! Appropriate, so yeah. <laughs> so, with that said, you know, choose the high ground, and we'll catch you next time. And dungeon crawlers, just remember, tell your story, whatever may come. Oh, I've missed that outro so much. And I will ask you to always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.